Welcome to Mind, Body, and Plate, the podcast all about uncomplicating the emotional side of eating so that you can stop waging war with food in your body. I'm Norma Fran. I'm a life and health coach, and I know firsthand how emotional eating can really get in the way. Obsessing over food, dieting, body shame, all of that just steals away so much of your life. I also know the freedom that comes from uncomplicating the emotional side of eating, diet culture, and to finally make peace with food in my body. And if you're ready to lose the mental and emotional weight of dieting and find your freedom with food and body, you're in the right place. So pop in those earbuds and let's go. All right, before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Have you taken my food and body quiz yet? The most important part of uncomplicating emotional eating is getting to know yourself and your history with food, dieting, and body image, and really how it's impacting your life today. The link is down in the show notes, and it's also right up here at the top in the banner. So let's get into today's episode. So speaking of getting to know yourself and your history with emotional eating, I had a pretty big self-discovery moment this summer when I took some time off from podcasting so I could work on finishing up the first draft of my book. And I am proud to say I accomplished that goal, but it wasn't with a bunch of emotions and some emotional eating. I wasn't expecting this to happen, but putting all of my energy and focus into that book really exposed some parts of me that I don't think I would have connected to emotional eating behaviors if I hadn't have gone through that process. The part that I discovered is my perfectionistic part. I know, perfectionism is not something that you would immediately connect to emotional eating, right? But when I sat back and thought about it, most of my clients actually do have pretty strong perfectionist traits, including me, client zero. So I took a closer look, or I should say, The process of writing the book showed me how deeply perfectionism has influenced my emotional eating. So much so, I gained 10 pounds over the summer. Now, I'm telling you this not because I'm ashamed of it, it's just a fact. It's a result of pushing myself, at least early on in the process, to make sure every word I typed was perfect. I agonized over every sentence. I worried about where a particular piece would fit in the book, and if every single person that picked up this book would 100% resonate with it. I was making myself crazy trying to write this perfect book. And when my nervous system had enough, I ate. I didn't care. I just needed some relief. And at that time, I was just too close to it to even recognize what I was doing until I started writing the chapter called Perfectionism and Permission. It was like a light bulb had gone off. I was doing the very thing that I was trying to convince my reader not to do in that particular chapter. So I closed the computer, went back to my trusty journal, and spent some time practicing what I preach. I think some would argue with me that perfectionism isn't an emotion. I kind of think it is. Or maybe it's the thing that triggers the emotion of not feeling like you're good enough. Either way, it's a strong feeling. I believe it absolutely fuels emotional eating. So I dug into my history with perfectionism 
because I really wanted to understand why it had so much influence on me. And what's really interesting to me, at one time, I think I would have argued with you to the mat that I was not a perfectionist. So when I say I took a closer look, I went way back in my life and tried to pinpoint when the perfectionistic tendencies came into play. And with a little effort of writing and thinking and writing and thinking, I saw it and I started to pull on that thread. And like most of us, it started way back. It started back in my childhood. Now, I had a pretty chaotic childhood. There was an alcoholic parent. There was a lot of uncertainty because of that. There was a lot of sadness and anxiety. And there was also love and caring and lots of effort by the other parent put into making sure we had everything we needed. But as a child, feeling safe is a big deal. And in my case, my physical safety wasn't necessarily the issue. What I learned, though, as I was writing and thinking about my past, I can see now how the chaos in that environment threatened my emotional safety. So I adopted what my child brain thought was a very effective strategy. Just strive for perfect. Being perfect as a child made me feel safe. Behaving made me feel safe. Because if I was good, I didn't contribute to the chaos. I didn't contribute to my mom's sadness and her stress. And not only did I work really hard at creating peace and harmony in my house, I tried to impose those same things, those same perfectionistic tendencies on everyone else. I can remember constantly being told to stop mothering my little brother. That was my attempt, and I can see that now, at making sure everything around me was also perfect and safe. So, like I said, I pulled on the thread, and I could see how this moved through my entire life. I got a little bit older. It was really important to me to have straight A's on the report card. And it was really important as I became a teenager to be liked and be part of the popular crowd because that felt safe. And then it extended into my early adulthood. You know, I wanted to make sure I had the best job. I got the promotion. I climbed the corporate ladder the right way. And then later on, when I got married and had children, I had to have perfectly behaved children. And then, of course, topping the list, having the perfect body was the one thing that I continued to strive for because nothing screams safety to me more than eliminating the judgment I feared the most of being overweight. So my perfectionism was never about being better than anyone else. It was about avoiding other people's judgment and fitting in. Because in my mind, that was safe. Do you see how this is all going back to safety? Creating the perfect environment to feel safe. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about perfectionism. Most of us think that perfectionism, like I said, is striving to be better than everybody else. But nothing could be further from the truth. Most perfectionists like me are just trying to blend in and shelter themselves from failure and judgment. Now, I probably don't have to tell you that this is hard work, trying to be perfect at everything. 
And my perfectionism was rooted in feeling safe from judgment, uncertainty, and safe from chaos. And then protecting the people I loved from all the things that I was feeling. That need for safety is what sparked the birth of many of my emotional eating parts. I've talked about emotional eating parts a little bit before, but it's really just these bits and pieces of us that are trying to protect us from all the things that we think are dangerous or that could harm us. So one of my emotional eating parts is what I call the comfort eater. Now, I think this part came to life because I knew it had to get some relief from working so hard at trying to be perfect. So I noshed my way through my life, especially when I got into adulthood. It was from like 3 p.m. until I went to bed because that's when everything was just shutting down. My nervous system had been dysregulated all day long trying to be perfect. It needed relief. That's how I got it. Now, the other really strong emotional eating part that I have is my secret eater. I didn't want anyone else to see me eating the bad food because that wasn't being perfect. So when the opportunity struck, my secret eater went to town on whatever was in the house, kind of like a speed binge. And then at work, when my perfectionism was on really high alert, I got super creative, smuggling donuts out of the break room so that no one would know that I was going to eat those things. In the granddaddy of them all, my food manager part. This part of me hates the comfort eater and the secret eater part because those parts are making me fat. And being fat is the exact opposite of perfect, right? It meant that I was going to be judged harshly and would never fit in. So to protect me from that, my food manager part kept me on diets, very restrictive diets. It berated me. It called me names to motivate me, all in the name of avoiding judgment and fitting in. So as horrible as it sounds, the food manager part of me was really just trying to keep me safe. When I was dieting, my perfectionism really kicked in. I was a champ at following a diet. Give me the rules and I will follow them to a T until I couldn't. I bet I have lost hundreds of pounds over the years and then regained every bit and then some more. But I kept at it because if I entertained the idea that diets simply don't work, that meant I had to let go of the dream that I was going to be thin and that everything would be perfect. I wouldn't have to work so hard at fitting in because I just would. If I just could lose the weight, I wouldn't have to do all this work anymore and everything would be perfect. And I would never be subjected to the judging looks and the should you be eating that comments. So for years, I always felt that there was a war waging inside me. That's because my emotional eating parts were actually at war with each other. My comforter was trying to soothe me from the stress of being perfect. My secret eater was feeling deprived and restricted and wanted to eat everything it could get its hands on without anyone knowing. And my food manager was constantly in the background screaming, no, 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 you have to stay on the diet. You are ruining everything. Can you relate to that? You know, it's awful to feel like there's a part of you that really wants one thing and another part of you that does the direct opposite. It's like being in a constant state of self-sabotage. And perfectionism 
was at the root of it all for me. And when I connected those dots, I actually felt a little relief because everything about my emotional eating started to make sense. You know, standing nose to nose with what's behind my emotional eating finally gave me a little clarity and a different perspective. What I now know is that pursuing perfectionism, especially around my weight and my body, was actually making my emotional eating more extreme and putting me further and further away from the body I thought I needed to have. Now, there's a quote I pulled from Janine Roth's book, Women, Food, and God, which I highly recommend for anyone struggling with their relationship with food and emotional eating. And it goes like this, relentless attempts to be thin take you further and further away from what could actually end your suffering. Uncomplicating emotional eating is creating the knowing or finding that thread like perfectionism and slowly start to pull it through your life so that you can see where it shows up and when it shows up and actually how it's really affecting you. And when you can do this, you can get to the root and you can start the process of healing from the inside out. This is the foundational work I aim to do in my community, Mind, Body, and Plate. We're going to pull on the thread so that you can have a new understanding or perspective shift on what's behind your emotional eating. Now, a great way to see if the membership is the right fit for you is to first take the food and body quiz. It's a super fun and easy way just to assess your current relationship with food in your body and your results may show you what threads you need to tug on and how the membership can help. All right, that's what I have for you today. So until next time, have an uncomplicated week. Thank you for watching or listening to today's episode. If you heard something that really resonated with you, I would really appreciate it if you could follow and subscribe wherever you're listening and leave a rating and review. It really does help get this show in front of the people that need to hear it the most.